Welcome to this week's sermon from Amblecote Community Church. Thank you, Linda. On our Sunday mornings through the spring, uh, we are going to be doing a new series on the book of Galatians, which I'm going to introduce today, which will take us up pretty much to Easter. And so this morning, I just want to uh, tell you a little bit about um, when and why it was written and, and spend a bit of time on Paul, the man who wrote this letter, and hopefully kind of explain this morning why we're going to teach on it through the spring and what some of the main themes are that we will encounter on the way. It may be, though, that you've been coming along for uh, a couple of months, um, but no one's ever yet explained to you why we teach through whole books of the Bible um, every Sunday. You know, why we teach from the Bible at all and why we teach through it the way that we do. Um, And so I just wanted to explain for a few minutes at the start, if that's okay, of why we do that. The reason, very simply, is because um, although the Bible was written by humans, loads of them, over about a thousand-year period, and so it's clearly the words of human beings, We also believe that the Bible is the word of God. And what we mean by that is we believe that God, by his Holy Spirit, inspired uh, and was involved in the process of the creation of these texts so that they became not just ancient writings from some people to other people, but that they also become texts from God himself to all of humanity. The Bible is communication, if you like, from God to us. Um, And sometimes we use words like revelation, we'll describe the Bible as revelation, and what we mean by that is that it reveals to us the truth about who God is and about who we are. And we'll sometimes also talk about the Bible being authoritative, which simply means that because it's the word of God and not just the words of people, it has authority to define for us who God is and who we are, and authority to define for us how we should live. And that's why the Bible is so important in Christianity and always has been through the centuries. The Christians have always been people of the book, people whose faith is attached in a significant way to the Bible. And I would say, you know, that this means that wrestling with the Bible, reading the Bible is perhaps the most important way that we come to know God. We come to know who he is and what it means to love and to follow Jesus. And and so the reason that we then preach through whole books is because if we just picked our favourite bits um, and preached on them every Sunday, there might be some good stuff there, but we wouldn't be engaging with all that God has to say to us. Preaching through books makes us face the challenging bits as well as the easy bits. It makes us face the complicated bits as well as the straightforward bits. And It makes us wrestle with all that God is and all that he has to say to us, and we try and model that in our preaching. So that's why we preach through books. And uh, Galatians is the one for this term. So let's turn to Galatians now. And I want to start, rather than the book itself, with the person he wrote it, the Apostle Paul. And we learn about Paul from two sources in the Bible. We learn about him from the letters that he wrote, like this one to the Galatians. But we also learn about him from the book of Acts. Uh, Acts is the book that tells the story of the early church. It starts from Jesus having risen from the dead and ascending to be with God. 
And then the early chapters of Acts describe how the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church and the kind of life that they live together. The Holy Spirit filled them with power, not only to live the life that Jesus called them to, but to tell others about him and his resurrection from the dead. And we hear about some of that. And then we get to chapter 7, where we have the first Christian martyr, Stephen, who uh, in kind of chapter 5 and 6, he's sort of dishing out money and bread to widows. And then in chapter 7, he's being hauled before the Jews, preaching the message of Jesus. And he's stoned to death for what he says. And at this execution, at this stoning, we read about Paul, um, who's also called Saul in Acts, which is a little confusing. But it's the same person. We hear about Paul, who sat and watched and approved of the stoning to death of Stephen of the church. And Acts tells us that from this point on, the persecution of the church increased. Some of the Jews increasingly hounded the church. And Paul's at the forefront of this. And so we're going to pick up the story in chapter 9. So if you've got a Bible or you want to use your digital Bible on your phone, we're going to pick things up at the start of chapter 9. I'm just going to read it out, some of the story of Saul, who is Paul. Just pause to let you get there. Okay. So taking it from the start of chapter 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's what Christianity was called back then, the way, if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you're to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Rise, go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard about this man and how much evil he's done to the saints at Jerusalem and that he's come here with authority from the chief priest to bind all who come on your name. In other words, are you sure? This sounds an awfully dangerous thing to do. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias, brave soul, departed and entered the house. 
And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and he was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. And for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, isn't this the man he made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called this name? And he's not, has he not come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. I mean, this is one of the most remarkable conversion stories in all of Christian history. You've got the man who is at the very forefront of persecuting the church and killing Christians. Throwing them into jail, breaking up churches. And he has an encounter with the risen Jesus that totally turns his life around. And from being the chief persecutor of the early church, Paul becomes the main man Jesus uses to establish his church across the Mediterranean. And we'll see, we'll see a bit more about that in a minute. But it's worth pausing at this point, isn't it? Because if you've ever thought that you don't deserve God and the love of Jesus, that you're not good enough to be a Christian, that your past is a disqualifies you from coming to know the love of God and following Jesus, then dwell a little on Paul. Because unless you have been going from city to city, killing Christians and tearing the church apart, and he was a more hopeless case than you are. And he's concrete evidence. Towards the end of his life, he writes to his, one of his um, you know, younger colleagues, and he says, you know, I was the worst of sinners, but God was pleased to reveal his grace to me and to turn my life around. So, you know, those of you that feel like you're the worst of sinners. It's no barrier for the grace of God and he can turn your life around just as he turned Paul's around. As we go through Galatians, we'll see actually how often Paul refers to his conversion, how important it was for him in his life and for his sense of mission and calling. And again, that's often true. Sometimes you know, those of, those, those of us that have conversions from what we think disqualify us give us a very clear call and mission and purpose from God. So what happens to Paul next after his conversion? Well, the book of Acts goes a bit quiet after this about Paul. We know he went to Jerusalem at some point, but we don't know much about the next few years. However, the book of Galatians fills us in. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk about that. It fills us in on the next few years of Paul's life. Uh, but now I want to show you a map. Oh, I forgot to mention the paintings. That's a shame. There's two nice paintings that we've just gone through. The staining of Stephen and the conversion of Paul. But yeah, never mind. The moment's passed. So here's a map. And this is just to orientate you. You can basically, hopefully, make out Europe there. And... Um, <laughs> And there is a key in the corner. It doesn't really matter. I just want you to get that this is Europe. And then the little bit with the red circle around it, that's kind of modern day Turkey now. 
This was Asia Minor in the ancient world. And the next map's going to zoom in there. So now we've zoomed in, but you know where we are. This is Turkey, down sort of to the bottom right-hand corner. You can see Israel, uh, modern-day Israel, or Jerusalem. Um, but when Paul was, so when Paul was, after the first few years that we don't know loads about, that we're going to talk about next week, Paul ends up at a church in Antioch. Now, Antioch is on this sort of, directly above me, there in the middle, in the province of Syria. And there was a church there. Um, Paul and Barnabas are there. And um, that church sends them on a missionary journey to go and preach about Jesus, to tell people about Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. And um, this map shows that journey that they made. So they go out in the sort of blue color, I believe, from Antioch through to Cyprus, then up. And you can see they enter this green territory called Galatia, the Roman province of Galatia. And you can read a bit, you can read about some of that in the book of Acts. Paul gets stoned as a part of this journey. So, um, but he survives it. And, um, and he goes through Lystra, Derby, Iconium, and then goes back through the church of Galatia and eventually back to Antioch. And it is churches that he founded in this area of Galatia um, that the letter that we're looking at this spring is written to. Um, yes, I don't want to say any more about that. I don't think so, but I want to leave the map up there. And I want to take five minutes to just explain why this is so significant that Paul has done this and gone through the Gentile territories preaching about Jesus and founding churches. It's significant because this is the context. Jesus has died and he's risen from the dead. The Holy Spirit has filled the early church and it's growing but it's pretty much growing among Jews. Jesus was Jewish. The first disciples were Jewish. The early church didn't see itself as a, like a new religion separate from Judaism. The first disciples saw themselves as Jews for whom the Messiah, Jesus, had come and they had believed in him. And um, amongst all of this, as we just read in Acts, Jesus reveals himself to Paul, who's persecuting the church, and he says, I've got a special job for you. You're going to be the one that takes my name among the Gentiles, those who aren't Jews. And this is momentous. This is where faith in Jesus changed from being just the fulfillment of a Jewish hope to the fulfillment of the hope of the whole world. And it was always meant to be this way. If you, if you trace the storyline of the whole Bible, God, from the minute things went wrong and sin entered the world, God always meant to restore the whole world to him. But he meant to do it through a people. He chose a particular people, Israel. They were to be the people that he used to bring his light to the world. Salvation, though, was never meant to be just for the Jews. It was always meant to be to restore all that had gone wrong. But this is the moment when Paul starts doing this. This is the moment where that ancient hope actually starts to happen. Where the hope for the Jews actually starts to become the hope 
for the rest of the world as well. And it causes enormous confusion in the early church. Because Gentiles had converted to Judaism before. That happened quite a lot, that Gentiles would come to become Jews. But, but when they did that, they had to basically become like a Jew in the way that they lived. They'd have to um, follow the Jewish food laws. They'd have to do the Jewish kind of religious rituals. They'd have to be circumcised, which is one reason why a lot more women converted to Judaism than men in the ancient world. If you wanted to come to know the hope of the Jews, you had to become a Jew as much as possible. Do the festivals, all of this. So when Gentiles start becoming Christians in the early church, they're totally confused. And the question is, do these Gentiles have to become Jews so that they can become Christians? Or can they go straight to being Christians? Don't they have to do the circumcision and the law and don't they have to become Jews first before they could become Christians? For us today, you know, seeing that I think pretty much all of you in this room are Gentiles and most of the global Christian church are Gentiles and there's such a clear separation now between Judaism and Christianity, we might think that this is a bit odd that this was such a big issue. But when Paul wrote the letter, this was like the urgent theological issue number one. And um, we'll see why as we kind of dig into the letter more in the coming weeks. But just by way of introduction, if we can flick to the next slide now, Matt, that would be great. I just want us to see that these are the two big issues that this letter is dealing with. Do Gentiles have to become Jews in order to become Christians? Which leads straight to the second big issue, and one that you probably do recognize is more relevant for you. What is it? that reconciles us to God and makes us part of his family. What is it? Is it becoming a Jew and keeping the law and circumcision? Or is it not? What is it for you? What is it that reconciles you to God and makes you part of his family? Yeah. Maybe I'll skip over that next bit. That's, that's, these are the key questions. In the coming weeks, we can see a little bit more why, why, uh, why the early church was confused about this. Most of the sermons so far might have felt a little bit more like a kind of first century history lesson than things that are particularly relevant for you today. But this is the point really for you, for me, is there anything more crucial in life than being put right with the God of the universe who created you and who holds the world in your hands, in his hands? If there is a God that created all that exists and is sovereign over it all, is there any more important issue for you than knowing how to be put right with him and how to be part of his family? Because that is what the gospel is about Look at the world around you, or think of the world around you. It's full of beauty and goodness and glory, because God made it and because he's good. But it's also full of pain and suffering and evil and injustice, because we've all sinned and turned away from God and chosen to be in charge of our own lives. 
We've worshipped other things rather than God. We've all got our own particular collection. Money, sex, power, comfort, worshipping ourselves in our pride, and so on. We've all got our own unique contribution to make to mucking things up. And so the whole of creation is damaged and scarred and sick with sin. But our God is not going to scrap the project. He is going to restore and to redeem and to put right all that has gone wrong. He's going to rescue his creation. And he does it first by reconciling people to himself. Putting people right with him, forgiving them, changing them, making them part of his family, and then using them to help redeem and restore the rest of creation. Sort of the purpose of life, if you like. So is there anything more important than knowing how this can happen for you? How you get to be on the inside of this? Being put right with God yourself, but not just being put right with God, but then having a part to play in putting right all that is wrong in our world. That's the heart of the good news about Jesus. That's the heart of the gospel. That's what we're going to be exploring through the term. Uh, To finish off this morning, we're just going to read the first five verses of the actual book of Galatians. And then I'll close. I've got these on screen. Um, If you haven't got your Bible with you. So let's just walk through them together. Paul, an apostle, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, he raised him from the dead. Isn't this supremely true about Paul? He's not an apostle because some people convinced him. He was killing the church. He's an apostle because Jesus met him. Not through man, not from man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, he raised him from the dead. And all the brothers that are with me, probably those in Antioch, he means, the other brothers in Antioch. To the churches of Galatia, well, you know where that is, you've seen the map, that's where he's writing. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's the gospel in miniature. We'll flesh it out much more in the weeks ahead, but here it is, super condensed. How we put right with God, how we reconciled with the creator of the universe, how we made a part of his family, how in Paul's words are we delivered from the present evil age? Well, it's got a lot to do with Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins. For those of you who are Christians this morning, I had a conversation with Andrew McFall a few weeks ago, I think, and, um, and we were talking about the gospel. And um, Andrew said to me that sometimes we talk about the gospel as if it's just the entry point of the Christian life. You know, It's the thing that you have to come to terms with to get in. And then you like move on to other stuff. And, uh, and he, he remarked in our conversation that perhaps the better way to think of it is like the engine of the Christian life. 
The gospel is the thing that makes everything else work. The gospel is the center point around which everything else hangs, the foundation on which everything else is built. The truth that Jesus Christ has given himself for our sins to deliver us from evil, to set us free to live in the kingdom of God, is the foundational truth that defines our lives. Not just the moment we become Christians, but every moment after. So, those of you who are Christians, this is my appeal to you this morning. As we go through this series and walk through the book of Galatians, take the opportunity to examine yourself and to ask the question, is the glory of the gospel of Jesus the engine of my life? Is it the center point that makes sense of who I am and how I live? Is it the only thing that makes sense of who I am and how I live? Is it the thing that everything else turns around? As Paul will say later in the letter, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So that's my appeal to you. Take this series as an opportunity to examine yourself. Is the gospel the engine of our lives? For those of you who are not yet Christians um, and who are listening to me this morning, then my appeal to you is a bit different. My appeal to you as we go through this series is, will you wrestle with this gospel seriously, wholeheartedly? Will you wrestle with it? Will you try and get your head around it? Will you try and come to terms with it? Jesus' death, the forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with God, being part of his family, the redemption of all creation, this is for you. And if we're going to understand it, then we're going to have to understand a bit about the Bible, a bit about first century history, a bit about the Jewish law, a bit about the covenant with Abraham. And in all of that, you might get the impression of, oh, this is like distant from me, these things, because they're unfamiliar. But don't let that kid you into thinking that this isn't critical for you. Because it is. There's no more important issue than how we come to know and be reconciled to the God of all creation. How we can be a part of his redemption. Of this glorious yet deeply damaged world. So the gospel matters, not just for me, but also for you. And beyond us, beyond me and you, it matters for all peoples. And all creation. My hope really for for you guys is that by the end of this series, you won't only be clearer in your heads, although I hope you will be, about what it means to follow Jesus and be part of his church. But I also hope that you will come uh, to desire something in your guts of the hope of Jesus and his mission in his kingdom. The purpose that he has for us. You know, Christianity is by no means just about you getting yourself sorted. It's got everything to do with you being called to make a difference. I hope you feel some of that in your guts as we preach through the gospel this term. Right, I'm going to finish there. We're going to pray. I think the band are going to sort of have have one last song for us to sing as we digest that. But why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us as we begin this series. Lord, there is a bigger picture 
than what we often spend our time looking at. There is a bigger purpose to our lives than what we so often spend our time absorbed by. Lord, we, we prayed this morning for your help with our fears and to know your love. And Lord, your gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, he delivers us from this present darkness. He's the engine that transforms everything else. These things we prayed this morning, our hope for the future, the purpose of our lives, our place. Lord, lift our eyes. Forgive us, Lord, for so often shrinking into the sort of paraphernalia of life, which is all fine, but then losing the kind of sense of what it's all about, really. Lord, for so often we kind of feel like maybe we're, the, the great thing is round the corner. There's a life to be lived, but it's just beyond our grasp, just out of reach. That our real life is somehow buried in, in the midst of the life we experience. And it's your gospel, Lord, that breaks through all of that, gives us something to live for, that calls us to who we're meant to be. So, Lord, this morning, this term, as we spend some time in Galatians, we pray for your fire, really, to come and purge away the screens that blind us to what life is all really about and to the glories of your gospel. So help us, Lord, we pray. Who we are, what we believe, and how you can get involved, check out our website 